what I like about doing art is there's always going to be things to explore. And I'm, it's, it's a never ending quest to do better and better and better. With that, you, you got to come to a point where you're, you can let go of what you've done and just let it be what it is and let it, let it represent the time and headspace that you were in. You know, it becomes a mile marker, you know, on your road and uh, you just keep going. As a kid, thumbing through a comic book could transport us to other worlds, flying through the universe at the speed of light, watching immortal enemies battling to the death. And some of us never grew out of it. Welcome to the Under the Mask Podcast where we discuss the super process behind superheroes. Not just superheroes, aliens, horror, thrillers. If you can find it on a comics page, you can find it here. Here, you'll learn how to make comics. From the initial outlines, scripts, and artwork, to printing and putting the final book in a bag and board. For many years, Bill Colomb has written his book, Kinetic, and sold thousands of copies across the nation. And now we're inviting you along for an inside look to the comics process. If you're a fan of comic books, a total process junkie, or just looking for more insight into launching your own book, you're in the right place. This is the Under the Mask Podcast, and this is Bill Colomb. Under the Mask Podcast, episode 21. This is week two of my special interviews I'm doing with my fellow kinetic creators. Let's get to it. Now, before I jump into the interview today, I wanted to thank all of the podcast listeners who've gone over and backed the kinetic Kickstarter, which is going on now. And I also want to thank all the backers who are listening to this podcast who came over from the Kickstarter. Uh, Right now, we're doing a little bit of cross-promotion, and it's really successful. At the time of recording this, the Kickstarter is just about 60% funded, and that's just in the first three days. Uh, It's been great watching those numbers just go up. Thanks again for the continued support. With that said, let's get on to today's guest. Our guest today is a cover artist who's been drawing professionally for over a decade. He's drawn covers for such companies as Zenoscope Entertainment and Valiant, and I also consider him my in-house cover artist for Kinetic. Seriously, this next cover is his sixth or seventh cover that he's made for me. His beautiful variant cover for Kinetic Identities number 1 is available now through September 12th for pre-order through our Kickstarter. You can find that at www.kineticcomic.com. I'd like to introduce Jason Metcalf. Jason, thank you so much for coming on and chatting with me. Yeah. Hey, Bill. Yeah. Good to be here. It's uh, kind of fun to spend an hour or so with you this afternoon uh, while we're locked in. Fun, especially on a day like today, too, where it's so dreary outside. Like I used to say, uh, it's a good day for comics. <laughs> it's uh, grizzly and rainy outside. It's a good day for conventions. 
good day for the comic shop. All right. Uh, well, Jason, how we usually start out, why don't you go ahead and tell us a little bit about your story? Who are you and how did you get to be here today? Okay, sure. Man, I'm a lifelong comics fan since I was about five years old. Uh, I've got kind of a neat uh, story about how I discovered comics. I was exploring with my little brother at the time. Um, in my grandmother's attic and we found this chest and we opened this chest up and it was full of all of my dad's, my uncle's comics from the fifties and sixties. And I just got a rush looking at these things. I started drawing pretty much right after that. Uh, I was about five years old. I may have been drawing a little bit before that, but my parents say, but, um, uh, geez, I, I comics were part of my life all through grade school junior high, kind of drifted away from them a little bit in high school. I was drawing the whole time and I couldn't figure out how to make comics a career coming out of high school. It just seemed like an insurmountable task. Growing up on the West Coast, I'm out of uh, Seattle, uh, the Seattle region. At the time, you pretty much had to live in New York to make a go at being a comics professional. And I realized that, that my talent, my artwork, uh, the results of my artwork was not up to par yet. It wasn't at a professional level yet. So I went to school, I went to college, uh, and uh, ended up getting a degree in construction management. Uh, I became a project manager in the construction field. I did that for about uh, 10 or 11 years um, in the Seattle area. Uh, But the whole time I was going to college and through my construction career, I was drawing on the side Um, And then I started going to uh, small conventions and started picking up some side work here and there, commissions for people. Um, I had done a series of pinups that I was kind of my initial batch of product to sell at shows and things started to snowball. My first professional work was illustrating uh, Ray Harryhausen's Wrath of the Titans, issue number four for a company out of Portland, Oregon at the time, uh, Blue Water Comics. Ray Harryhausen uh, was the creator of uh, Claymation Monsters, uh, movie monsters. And uh, one of my early career highlights was actually being able to sit down with Ray and sign those books in San Diego uh, that, that I had worked on. And I was uh, too young and too un, unaware to realize who I was sitting next to. The impact of that, it, it hits me way more now than it did then. Um, that was that was quite a moment. But um, out of that work with Blue Water, I uh, picked up some work with IDW uh, on a series called Eternal Descent. I did, uh, I think, four, five, six issues of Eternal Descent, as well as some 10 cover uh, illustrations uh, for that. During this time, I was still working uh, 60 hours a week in construction. So I was producing these comics at night and on weekends. So I wasn't, it was a project where I wasn't held to a monthly schedule because I I already had a full-time job. Uh, Everybody was fully aware of that. And it was something that was uh, hashed out before we went into it. But anyway, that was a uh, gothic urban fantasy uh, rock and roll based. I had to draw a lot of guitars and amps and um, sponsored by guitars. I was was sponsored by uh, ESP uh, guitars. Uh, They're one of the financial backers for the project. Um, And uh, what time period was this? This was the early 2000s uh, or mid, mid 2000s, mid or late 2000s, mid, mid to late 2000s, like 2008, 9, 10. 
as I was working through that project, yeah, it was around 2008 because that's when the the financial crisis hit and it started having an impact on the construction industry, which I was a part of. And I left my full-time job. I had, I had been able to replace about two thirds of my income through comics and art. And I felt that I was in a position uh, where it was comfortable enough for me to take a chance and, and, and make a move and, you know, give it a full-time go. And I figured at that point, if I didn't do it then, I don't know if I ever would have done it, but it was something that was just, just itching at me, you know, to do that to dive into so somewhere along there too maybe just a little bit before that i had done some inking for uh top cow with uh, joe jo weems i had met joe weems at a san diego comic-con um and he uh he had a thing back then where he would uh sort of mentor uh inkers and artists and i uh, have them you know do fill in pages and and backgrounds and and not necessarily the the, full, the whole pages the whole page of inking but uh through that, I learned a lot of like, especially the top cow image uh, art style technique. It was something I was always, you know, already doing, and still kind of have a, a portion of that in my art as well. But anyway, that was that was a great experience. I worked with him for a few weeks. I got to meet you know some of the other artists and, and stuff. And and then uh, fast forward into uh, the late two thousands, I started getting a whole bunch of uh, like independent publishers asking for cover art and I started doing a lot more a lot more cover art and uh, I was doing trading card art um, I started increasing my online presence uh, deviant art through that I landed some work with HBO Herzog was developing their blu-rays and and I was part of an artist team that was illustrating uh, the background histories of Westeros for Game of Thrones also did a similar thing through Herzog for the, his, the history channel Channel, uh, the Vikings series. And then kind of right in that same time, uh, I started doing cover art for Xenoscope. Since then, I've done, I think I'm approaching 60 covers for Xenoscope over the, the last four years, five, five years, something like that. No, six years. <laughs> I'm losing track of time, man. Yeah, that's uh, crazy, man. Uh, if you work that out, if you were doing one a month, that's basically for five years. Yeah, I mean, there was there were some breaks here and there, but yeah, pretty consistently a cover a month for Xenoscope. And, and, and then um, other things as well. I, I'd say, uh, I mean, a good third to a half of my business has been private commission work. I do a ton of commissions, which I don't mind. I like the variety and the diversity of, uh, of different things I get to draw for people. Up until last year, conventions were another big part of you know my, my thing. I did pretty consistently for six or seven years, 20 plus conventions a year. Through that, landed more work and met more people. And uh, the, the networking is just fabulous at Comic-Cons. Uh, you know, I now I, like yourself and, and, uh, and other people, I can, you know, I consider everybody to be great friends and, you know, part of our comics family, you know, so. <laughs> and I know, uh, especially this year, 2020, it's uh, uh, the lack of conventions has been noticeable. And hopefully we can get back to uh, normal sooner rather than later. Yeah, it's, um, I mean, it's a tough time. Um, yeah, it's, it's a tough time. I mean, it's a time that tests people and, you know, it's out of times like this that, you know, growth and innovation comes. I mean, this, this is, uh, you know, putting some pressure on everyone and everybody's, you know, pe people react differently. Uh, organizations react differently. But I, I think there's some good innovative things uh, that are going to come out of all of this. I mean, the, all the things that are available right now, 
online. Um, we've never had a world like this. This is, it's pretty incredible what you can do by yourself or with a close knit group of people. Uh, it's pretty incredible what you can accomplish if, uh, you know, you, you do it smartly and, and uh, persistently. Well, uh, let's bring it back uh, before we get too depressed here about COVID and uh, the state of the world right now. Um, just from the uh, covers and commissions that you've done, excluding Kinetic, of course, because we all know that's the, the most fun that you've had working on. But aside from Kinetic, uh, what have been some of the covers or commissions that you've had the most fun working on? Um, uh, recently, I did a couple of covers for uh, Rye, for Valiant. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm really happy with both of those. Uh, I did a uh, Sumerian uh, Queen of the Black coast which had some buzz because of the uh, entanglement with marvel and the uh, you know who has the publishing rights in the u.s to conan there's a ton of stuff online about all that you guys can read up on it but that was a really fun project to do and uh i've done a few covers for uh, white widow for my buddy jamie tyndall and those have both been fun batman max uh, last year. That was, that was a great one. Yeah. So the, I mean, most recently that handful of things, as well as the Xenoscope stuff, I just did a uh, Van Helsing number 50. And before that I did a uh, Van Helsing, uh, Dar- daughter of Dracula. I did a couple covers for that. I really like all of those. It, it's something as an artist, and you probably hear this talking to other artists, uh, very few of us are, are happy with our work. It's like rare that we finally do something that we're pleased with. A couple kinetic covers included, you know, now I'm finally able to say there's there's maybe a dozen pieces out there that I feel pretty good about. Yeah, talking with other artists, it definitely seems that uh, that's the theme that pops up is you sh- you're always looking back and you say, oh, my old work is crap. But then you have yes. the new work to look forward to. And then in a couple of years down the road, you'll be looking at that and saying, man, I could have done that so much better. To me, I look at that as what I like about doing art is there's always going to be things to explore. And I'm, it's, it's a never-ending quest to do better and better and better. With that, you, you got to come to a point where you're, you can let go of what you've done and just let it be what it is and let it, let it represent the time and headspace that you were in. You know, it becomes a mile marker, you know, on your road and uh, you just keep going. Uh, Jason, getting into your process, do you draw with a pen and paper still or is it mostly digital? No, it's, it's 100% uh, physical. I, I do everything with uh, pencil, paper. I did use a uh, crow quill dipped nib, steel tip inking style of art. Um, I recently have switched over to... Uh, sorts of uh, inking pens. Um, I was using pit pens. I still use pit pens quite a bit, but I just got some Tombows. I just started using those like literally a couple days ago and I'm really loving them. They're uh, kind of a stiff and flexible tipped uh, nib pen uh, with super black ink. It's like really, really nice. But I, I learned inking um, in the 90s in 2000s and uh, some of the anchors then had like their own ink mixes and and uh you know it was like uh inking wizardry uh <laughs> their cauldrons full of uh you know solutions that that just laid down the slickest blackest ink that you've ever seen um and uh i mean i really liked that as far as the stock of pencils and paper and stuff that I use there. Uh, I've been using Eon paper, uh, Eon boards and uh, pencils are all over the place. I anywhere from H to two H sometimes HB uh, lead sharpness and 
sometimes I use tech pens and sometimes I use uh, just a sharpened uh, pencil. The tools I use now just make it easier. I mean, I, I found a, you know, with this paper, I just really enjoy how, how especially the pencil looks on this paper. It's just really nice. And, you know, all the other things that I've been experimenting with, uh, the inking, the pens, um, it's a function of cleanliness and quickness, but I still want a very dark black finish when I'm done with the work. So, yeah, uh, you know, art products are getting better and better. Uh, so it's, it's something that's fun to explore as well, but it can be expensive if you, you know, buy everything out there. So yeah. <laughs> I try not to do that. If you go down that rabbit hole, it definitely can be. The art stores to me are like candy stores. I mean, I see all, all the product and I'm like, oh, I want that. I want that. I want that. I want that. I just don't have time to, you know, use everything. <laughs> now, uh, following up from before, uh, you work with larger companies like Zenoscope and Valiant, and you still do a lot of individual commissions and work with smaller publishers as well. Mm-hmm. Are there any major differences working with an individual or a small company versus say working with Zenoscope or Valiant? Um, I'd say the major difference is uh, flexibility in schedule. Uh, really, uh, you know, some, some companies are very, you know, hard set or, or most, most companies are hard set on their production schedules. A lot of them though, if they know what you're able to do, uh, whatever that is, uh, they're comfortable in working with your schedule. So long as the editors know up front what you are able to fit in, in a, in a given week or a month or whatever, the, uh, the commission side of things, uh, I, try to let my clients know that it's you're getting my time in between me fulfilling professional obligations and pub- published obligations. So uh, the, the published work comes first. So, you know, there's, I, I'd say that's the difference. Uh, and there's in both worlds, there's levels of editorial, uh, even in the private commissions, you know, some, some clients will, be all over, you know, the pose of the character, the, the camera angle. Oh, I wanted, I wanted this. I wanted that. I always try to uh, nip that in the bud up front with uh, just a series of three to five thumbnails so that, you know, either the publisher that I'm working with or the, the commission client that I'm working with has some sort of variety to look at and choose a direction. And then we can, if we want to refine more before I get to doing the full-blown art, let's do it now uh, before, you know, I get eight hours into a piece and then, oh, I, I, you know, I wanted him to be, you know, twisting to the right instead of the left. And I wanted a city background instead of a, you know, a wooded area, you know, you know, try to (laughs) try to get all that ironed out first. In my construction days, uh, we, we had things called change orders where, uh, you, we are working off a definite plan. And if, if the owner says, well, you know, instead of this wall being, you know, 10 feet long, I want this wall to be five feet long and then have another wall on the other side of the room that's four feet long. You figure, well, to do that, it is going to cost you this much to make that change. You know, I, I know there's some artists out there that, that may work like that. They may allow two or three changes, but then everything after that is on an hourly basis or something like that. Um, I, I haven't applied that yet to what I do, but I, I try to you know mitigate that by doing as much upfront as I can to get, get us all on the same track. So. And I always try to be cognizant of that on my end, whenever I'm hiring out for art, 
I, I will always say I want to make as few revisions as possible. And uh, sometimes with Raphael or Lewis or even you, it, there's some that have to be done. But I always try to make it very minimal because I know how hard it is to go back and actually change stuff. Well, Jason, let's say that I come to you and I want to cover or commission. What's kind of the process that we're going to go through to get the finished work? Um, well, we, uh, we sort of touched on that. You, typically, the, the publisher or the person getting the commission, they've got an idea in their head. I try to communicate as much as I can, usually via, via email uh, or face-to-face if we're at a convention, and get an idea as to what vision or scene that they have in their mind. I do a series of quick sketches based off of that. And with those sketches, we hone down. Like if I give, I'll give an editor, you know, three different, three to three to five different sketches. Sometimes I'll, I'll stick to their vision for three of them, but then the other two are going to be wild cards uh, with some of the editors that, that are comfortable with that. Um, and I'll say, Hey, well, I'm also thinking of this, or I'm also thinking of that. You know, they tell me what your story is. I, I, from the story, I, there's certain scenes or images that, that hit me. Um, and, and I've got something in my head I need to get out on paper, at least in the sketch form. And then we go from there and go through a process of refinement to get to a final, a final idea. Uh, I'll do my rough pencils. Uh, I, I'm pretty, consistent in communicating with my clients and publishers and uh, showing them the rough pencil stage, getting the, you know, yeah, that looks good. Uh, Continuing with pencils, getting through finished pencils. Before I hit the ink stage, I want to get a final approval on pencils. You know, they say, yes, okay, you know, go forward with that. Or at that point, you can still make a change. Nothing huge, but I mean, there's things that still can be done at the pencil stage. And then I produce the inks. And uh, I mean, even sometimes at the end of inking something, I'll get uh, on, on some of the larger publishers, I've had slight changes made after the piece is totally done, or they want to have another version of what I just did. And, and I'll do some inking and Photoshop magic to, to make that happen as well. So it's a, it's a step-by-step process and a lot of communication back and forth. And that, you know, from all that, we get something that everybody's happy with. So. Yeah. And I've got to say, we're on now, uh, we're on cover seven or eight that I've hired you for. Yeah, and I, I just want to tell all my listeners out there, you know, if you're small press or if you're looking for a cover, that's going to blow you away and that you're going to be happy with the process throughout it. Hire Jason. Because Jason, you know what you're doing. The communication is always there. I've never felt that I was left out of anything uh, when I was working with you. Well, that's good to hear. I want you to be happy. Yeah, that works out great. I want to be happy too. (laughs) Jason, what have been some of the biggest obstacles or challenges that you faced in your career? Hmm. Initially, when I first started, the biggest challenge for me was balancing. At the time, I was I was still working my week, my my career. Uh, I was still working 50, 60 hours a week. So switching gears from spreadsheets and schedules and contracts to producing artwork from my day job to basically my night job and my weekend job that took a lot of energy. That took a, a huge amount of energy up front. Um, I was doing the eternal descent stuff that way, and yeah, getting through that was difficult. Just from just from a, an energy 
standpoint, well-being standpoint. And I think sometimes approaching a piece of art, uh, I I try not to do it too much with covers. We kind of get things hammered out, but I'm a little more exploratory on some of the commission work that I do. And I sometimes will really, I don't know if I'm overthinking or overconsidering what I'm going to do with a piece of art but I just want them to look really nice. It's part of the perfectionism. I've learned to let that go on the covers that I do because they are, you know, tied into a timeline. But some some of the commissions that I do, I'll hang on to a little bit longer than I probably should. Uh, Just because there's some things I'm exploring that I want to figure out and especially some of the colored stuff that I do. Another challenge for me is I have a very detailed way of drawing. I, I use a lot of line work. It comes out of the 90s, and 80s uh, real line heavy styles of uh, like Arthur Adams and, and Michael Turner and Jim Lee and Silvestri and those guys and Finch and, and all that. And achieving that, that clean, sharp, crisp line uh, is something that I really want to do. And what I'm, what I'm getting at is finishing that line art. It's, it's not so difficult in the pencils. And I, about 90% of the time I ink my own work and one of my biggest challenges has been finding that inker who may be out there who can handle my line art the way I would like to see my line art. I've worked with a variety of inkers. There's, there's a few that are pretty close. Anyway, it seems like the tandems, the, the penciling and inking tandems that are out there uh, that work are the ones that last for a long time. And I just haven't found that. Not quite yet. But at the same time, well, what I'm finding a challenge now is seems the I don't know if it's the flavor of the month or or just the the general trend in art style has moved so much since I've been doing this, and I, I'm uh, you know I'm steering my art in a different direction, and I might I may just need to let go of the idea of me ever wanting or trying to find an inker to finish my art. It may just be me. <laughs> I mean, if, if history is any proof so far, it is just me. So, you know, I feel, I feel a similar way with, uh, you know, you hear about these teams like Ed Brubaker and uh, Sean Phillips. Like I use them as kind of the standard. There's so many times it seems like there's an artist and a writer that are linked up and they're always doing stuff in tandem. And I just feel like okay. I haven't met that artist that we've clicked and we both have the same drive and we both have, want to do the same thing. Well, who knows what will happen, Bill? <laughs> who, who knows? <laughs> uh, kind of following up on that, uh, what has been the biggest mm-hmm. mistake that you've made in your creative career? Um, I don't know if I believe in, in mistakes. I think I, I've got an overall view of life that things happen for a reason. There, there are some things that I, I've, I mean, I've thought about some things that, you know, maybe I could have chosen to do something different. You know, for, for example, when I was doing that ink work for Top Cow, I was still working my, my construction career, you know, up here in the Seattle area. I could have pushed things harder at that time, relocated, you know, gone to California. I'm not saying that they, they offered a position for me at all. I'm not saying that because that did not happen. Uh, but I could have pushed for it. I, I could have could have uprooted and 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 done that. Um, but had I done that, I probably never would have met my wife. I, I'd I'd have a different life. Uh, I don't know that I would have met you. These kinetic covers would have never happened. You know, it. I I don't know if I, it's fate or destiny or or just uh, you know being you are where you are for a reason. You know, the I kind of look at things that way. 
I guess what I can say is I, I've always tried really hard. And in my heart, I know that I've tried really hard with everything that I've done. And have I made mistakes? I mean, if you want to call things mistakes, sure. Yeah, there's there's maybe mistakes or missteps or, you know, I may not have handled a conversation well here or there, things like that. I, I try not to... I try not to dwell on those things uh, that can just send you in a spiral and I don't want to do that. So my mindset is so much in the, in the comic realm is so much focused on making better art. Uh, I want to make better art today than I did yesterday. Um, I think I dwell on that more than anything. And I can sometimes psych myself out on a given piece. uh, If I'm, if I'm, you know, really overthinking it. And then I got to remember that you just, you got to do it. Um, There was a quote I wrote down recently, uh, quantity breeds quality. The more you do something, the better you'll become at it. But you got to do it more and more, no matter where you are in your own headspace or your, you know, your talent level or, you know, writing, drawing, whatever. Quantity breeds quality. I was just reading like a how to write comics or, you know, one of the guides to writing comics or something like that. And one of the things that was in there just said, hey, one of the first things you should do is just go write a comic. You're like, go write a comic, go write another comic, because you'll learn more writing 10 comics yeah. than you'll learn reading 10 books yeah. about, about doing it. One thing that reminds me of is as an artist and looking at other artists, uh, when I grew up with comics, there was some great art. I, I looked at great art all the time. When Image Comics started... There were some artists that went through clear developmental stages from book one to book 10 that they worked on. And you could see it. And to me, that was some of the most enjoyable stuff to look at because I wanted to see how they were getting from, you know, point A to point B to point C, D, E, F. I wanted to see that growth. And every now and then when, uh, not so much anymore, but early on, when I would think about, oh, I, I don't want to put my art out there. It's not ready. It's not, you know, it's not where I want it to be. Uh, I reminded myself of that, of, of how enjoyable it was actually to watch an artist grow. So I, f- I feel that's, that um, perspective has helped me let go and pursue the art, so to say. Uh, well, Jason, real quick, uh, go ahead and close your eyes. Uh, just think back a little bit on your creative career. What has been the best moment in your creative career so far? Yeah, I, I, I don't know if I can pick one. I'm one of those guys where I don't think I have favorites. You know, a lot of, a lot of times when you lose your password and you got to reset your password on a website and then it asks you a bunch of security questions and it asks you what your favorite dessert is or your, what, your, you know, what your favorite toy was growing up. I really suck at answering those questions. I always forget. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think I have one, um, but I can tell you some really cool moments. Um, I mean, I, some artists I don't I aren't so open about other artists that they may or may not admire, or, or I don't know. I'm I'm not too bashful about that. I've already dropped a few names of of artists uh, that I like. I had kind of a neat moment one year in San Diego. I was at Simone Bianchi's booth set up and it was split between Simone Bianchi and Alex Ross and they had a huge square of tables. I think it was two or three tables long on each side and nothing but portfolios and artwork sprawled out all over the tables. Alex works in real big 
big size pieces, like, like they're 18 by 24, or maybe even bigger. Uh, anyway, those were out. But it was the first time I got to look at uh, Simone Bianchi's art close up. And his, uh, his friend was kind of managing his table for him. Simone wasn't there. And I was going through the portfolios and it was the uh, Simone's run on Wolverine where it's uh, Wolverine versus Sabretooth. And I was looking at these pages and man, I wanted to buy a page. And I think at the time they were like two to 400 bucks a piece or something like that. But I must have blown all my money already earlier in the show or, or just didn't feel like I should pull the trigger on it, but I should have. Anyway, his, his uh, buddy, his manager saw me looking and he comes over and uh, we get to talking and his, his manager says, he says, uh, Hey, you know, I'm watching Simone stuff here. And he says, he said, I could have a piece of art. What it looks like, you know, what you're looking at. And I said, yeah, I'm an artist. And he says, well, what do you think I should get? And I opened up the portfolio and I said, get this. And it's, it's the Wolverine and Sabretooth squaring off in three panels the top panel, on all three panels, Wolverine's on the left-hand side and Sabretooth's on the right-hand side. Top panel is kind of a, a mid-shot of the both of them coming at each other. The center panel, there's like a two, there's like a face, close-up face-off, and then there's like a full-on, you know, just a swing and a fists and claws and blood and stuff. It was just a beautiful piece, symmetrically and just execution-wise. It was awesome. Coincidentally, then, I think it was like a year later, I was at Simone's booth again when he got the call that he was going to be the next X-Men artist and got to watch that reaction. That was, that was really neat. Yeah, he was literally on the phone and I was the only person there and he told me, Hey, I'm going to be the artist on X-Men. I was like, wow, that's awesome. <laughs> um, you know, I've had so many moments. The, the, the year that I was there in San Diego doing signings next to Ray Harryhausen, um, it was kind of a pinch me moment then, but it's more of a pinch me moment now. That, that was that was pretty amazing. Gosh, and I've just met so many people and, and hung out with so many people. Uh, I had Norman Reedus try to bum a cigarette off me in a bar in New Orleans one time. I told <laughs> <you>. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, just all sorts of stuff. I'm going to kind of word this as two different questions, but it's really the same question and it's getting to the same thing. And you'll see when I say this here. Starting out, what was the best advice that you received? Or conversely, what's the best advice that you can give an aspiring artist who wants to do what you do? Sure. Um, Say the name of the game is deadlines. Hit your deadlines. And that deadline can be, as long as it's agreed upon between you and whoever you're working with, it can be whatever you guys come up with. But you got to hit your deadlines in this business. It's publishing. Uh, What we do is publishing. And as an artist, you're just a part of that. And your publisher hires people based on whether or not they can get their product to market on time every month to appease the audience. So that uh, above everything, that is the most important thing. Uh, You can work on your talent and your skill, uh, you know, secondary to that it's, but uh, your, your ability to hit deadlines is going to make or break you uh, in this business. Yeah. The, the, that's something you can do right away getting your work to a level that you're going to be happy with it. That's a long road. Be upfront with your editors uh, and your clients and let them know realistically how much work you can handle. Some editors and some projects uh, are flexible. 
um, if you are honest with what you're able to handle. You might get assigned to special projects uh, that aren't necessarily tied down to uh, something that's monthly. Um, Or if you're able to handle monthly work, um, you know, go for it. But first and foremost, uh, you've got to hit the schedule. You've got to do what you have to do to get all of those pages done so that that book or whatever that project is can get published on time. Your art style and your tastes and your talent level is going to change over time. Uh, Don't expect that to be, you know, where you want it to be. Maybe right up front, it may take a while for you to become happy with your art. You might never be happy with your art, but uh, uh, all in all, uh, do your best and, you know, stay on time. Uh, Your word is your bond and so are your contracts. But uh, I guess that would be uh, tip number two, get everything in writing. Always have some form of writing, whether uh, it's an email chain, uh, letters, contracts are best. You know, as fun as art is, the comics industry is production art. That's what it is. So that's my advice. And really quick, I just wanted to piggyback on that uh, because there is a famous saying uh, that goes something like this. To make it in comics, you have to have two out of three of the following attributes. Uh, The one that you just mentioned, hit deadlines. Uh, The second one is be nice or just be likable. Mm-hmm. And the third is have work be so brilliant it can't be denied. Mm-hmm. And basically, if you have two of those, you've got your bases covered. Obviously, you agree with the hit deadlines, but do you agree with that? Yeah, in fact, uh, that that is something that I have uh, mentioned before uh, to people. Um, I forget if it was recorded or not, but in panels. Uh, yeah, that that uh, trifecta of criteria uh, is, is something that does get touted here and there. And, uh, yeah, I, I tend to agree with that, but, but the most important one in comics, um, is being on time, hitting your deadlines. Well, I'm trying that work. That works out for me. Cause I'm trying to hit deadlines and also have my work be brilliant because I'm just a terrible person to be around. So I know, sure. I, I know I can't get the be nice down. <laughs> as, as long as you, uh, you, you bring your best when you have to, that's fine, Bill. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Jason, thank you so much for coming out and talking with me today. Yeah, you're welcome. This was fun. Just a reminder, Jason's newest cover for Kinetic Identities number one, that is available on our Kickstarter right now. You can reach that by going to kineticcomic.com. It'll take you right there. Uh, He is one of our premium variant tiers. Uh, That's a beautiful cover. It's kinetic flying into the foreground and uh, and it's just an absolutely stunning cover. Jason, where else can we find you online? Yeah, sure. Um, I'm most active on Facebook. uh, And just a couple weeks ago, I started a weekly live feed where I've been drawing and talking industry talk and uh, answering questions and uh, given many tutorials here and there if I, if I can. Um, but on my Facebook page, uh, pretty easy to find Jason Metcalf. Uh, the, uh, the live feed happens every Monday, 1 p.m. Eastern or 10 a.m. Pacific. I'm on for two hours. Uh, it's the lunch hour for most of the country, either the beginning or end of it or the middle of it in the middle of the country. And it's hosted by the Artist Alley Shopping Network, uh, AASN. Uh, they also have a Facebook page. And actually, the, the main feed is on the AASN page 
and then I share it over to my Facebook page. But uh, uh, I've been offering up artwork there and, and uh, commission spots, um, answering questions. You guys can watch me draw stuff. Um, and then I'm, I'm developing some other things. Um, and I, I'm probably one of the worst people in the world to keep my website updated. But my website is www.jasonmetcalf-art.com. I'm going to start putting up more original art uh, there. I'm also on Instagram. Uh, again, easy to find me. Uh, I think I have some links on my Facebook page and my website to get to the, that page uh, to get to my Instagram link. Um, that's about all I can manage as a, uh, a one person show. I avoid Twitter. I, I never had a liking for Twitter or TikTok <laughs> or Snapchat. Thank you so much for joining me. Be sure to check out the Kinetic Identities number one Kickstarter. Uh, that's live now through September 11th. And we're going to leave all the links for Jason. Be sure to check out Jason's website, his Instagram, or his Facebook. We're going to leave all the links in the show description and the notes below. Jason, thanks again for coming out and talking with me. Yeah, you're welcome, Bill. Thank you. And uh, thank you to all you guys uh, for uh, checking out this interview and, and hope you got something out of it. Have a great week. If you know a creator that makes comic books or any other media and think they'd be a good fit for the show, drop us a line at underthemaskshow at gmail.com. You've been listening to the Under the Mask podcast with Bill Colomb. Welcome to the family. If you're a fan of comic books, a total process junkie, or just looking for more insight into launching your own book, you found the right podcast for you. Thanks for listening, and make sure to like or leave a review, and we'd appreciate it if you'd tell a friend or two. To reach out, visit us at underthemaskpodcast.com. This has been a presentation of Why Comics. Till next time, this is the Under the Mask Podcast, signing off. 